The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. We're so glad that you're here with us, and um, we are continuing a study of some hopeful prof- prophecies in the book of Isaiah. And so if you still have your Bibles open, you can be turning to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah 35, and we want to look at the, the first 10 verses this morning. Isaiah 35, beginning in verse 1. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Well, at the beginning of the Chronicles of Narnia, Lucy encounters a fawn. And she has just recently went through the wardrobe and to Narnia, and and she really knows nothing about this new world. And the fawn is trying to tell her, about Narnia, and he tells her about the white witch who is in charge, and he says to her that it's always winter, but never Christmas. Always winter, but never Christmas. And this was C.S. Lewis's way of explaining the darkness and, and, and evil that had overtaken this imaginary world. Of course, Lewis understood that what he was describing is more real than what people might think. And we find similar descriptions in Scripture. And so the biblical writers describe a world that has been corrupted by sin and a world that longs for healing and redemption. And Isaiah's prophecy, the one that we just read, it speaks to such a world. It is a world that is hurting in many different ways. The land is hurting because there is no water and things cannot grow. 
Imagine being a farmer in the middle of the Dust Bowl. There's nothing that you could do. Whatever you planted had no chance of surviving. Your land was worthless because it would not produce anything. No one wanted to own it. And people did the only thing that they could do. They packed their belongings and they headed west. There there was no sense in them staying. Their land was not any good. They, They could not make a living on it. They could not provide for their families. Isaiah doesn't just tell us what we need to know. He paints a vivid picture of what he wants us to see. And he begins with a desolate landscape, a place where nothing lives, a place where nothing grows. And this is a place that people had given up on. It's a place without hope. But Isaiah's prophecy is not a word of judgment. It is a prophecy about what happens when God comes. And so imagine the most barren and useless piece of land that you can imagine. And when God shows up, he will transform this piece of land into paradise. Plants and grass will grow where they did not grow before. Flowers will blossom. Streams that have run dry will be filled with water. Animals that have gone somewhere else will return. It will be a celebration. All creation will praise the Lord. Isaiah presents a picture of God coming and healing creation. Listen to what he says. The the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. And wilderness here is not like a lush forest. It's like the desert. It's a place where nothing lives, nothing grows. Nobody wants to be there. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. What was once dead is now alive. Sin corrupts. Sin leads to death. Sin is a disease. But when God comes, he heals. He redeems. He defeats sin. And he produces life. And the coming of God does not just pertain to creation. It also applies to humanity. There are things in this world that are not right. And when sin was introduced into the world, it brought with it sickness and death. And we live in a world that is full of terrible diseases. And people get sick and they get robbed of certain abilities. They cannot see, they cannot hear, they cannot walk, they cannot speak. And they go through life reminded that something has been taken from them. And what we learn from this passage in Isaiah is that this is not what God intended for the world. This is not what God wants. And when God comes, diseases are destroyed and sickness is stomped out. And God's going to heal what is broken. And Isaiah says that 
Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap, leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And every day that we live on this earth, we are reminded that things are not as they should be. And we have this feeling deep within us that things are not right. And I think everyone understands this, but, but not everyone knows what to do with it. Every person, I believe, has these feelings, but it leads people to different places. For instance, if you were an atheist or an agnostic, then these feelings may lead you to be bitter or angry. You may understand like the rest of us that something is wrong, but you might become frustrated because you don't believe anything can be done about it. For Christians, we know the world is not right, but we also know that one day God is coming to fix everything that is wrong. And the feeling of brokenness inside of us should produce longing and hope. Because we, like Isaiah, anticipate the coming of the Lord. This last week, my family and I sat down and we watched a Christmas carol. And if you haven't done that this year, then you need to. Because there are so many great lessons in it, so many biblical lessons in it. Um, that's what Dickens was trying to do. But, but one of the things that, that stuck out to me this time was Tiny Tim. You know, and he's just a small character, but he's so powerful. And here's this little boy who, who we might say that he's been dealt a bad hand. You know, he's sick. He, he cannot walk properly. His family's poor. They, they can't afford to take him to the doctor. And he has every reason to be upset. He has every reason to be angry and bitter. And yet he's one of the most delightful characters in the entire story. And he's full of joy. And how can this be? Well, at one point, he talks about going to worship. And he talks about hearing the prophecy of Isaiah. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Although his circumstances were dismal, he is filled with hope because he understands the good news. He understands the gospel. He believes in his heart that what is not right will one day be made right. And he anticipates the coming of the Lord. He knows that God will act. And because of this, he is filled with joy. Now in this passage from Isaiah, the word joy or rejoice is mentioned five times. Uh, seeing or singing is mentioned three times. So in just it, ten verses, these themes of, of joyous celebration keep coming up over and over again. And, and Isaiah is prophesying to a people in exile, a people who have had everything taken from them. But they can celebrate and they can sing because God is coming. And he's going to create a holy highway in the wilderness that leads back to Zion. 
And the path is going to be so clear that not even a fool will go astray. And all the dangers that surround and travel in ancient times will be taken care of. You won't have to worry about wild animals. You won't have to worry about thieves or robbers because God will be with them. And the people of Israel joyously anticipate the coming of the Lord. You know, I sometimes think that we've watered down these powerful words that we find in Scripture. And over the last few weeks, we have encountered such words as hope, joy, and peace in these texts from Isaiah. And these words are are rooted in the prophecies of Isaiah. They are prophetic words. They are the words of of a prophet of God, one who speaks the words of God. But at the same time, we also see these words all over the place this time of year. You know, we, we go grab a cup of coffee, and they're on our coffee cup, and they're at the mall, and they're on signs all over town. And, you know, the other day we took the kids to go see Santa, and they had them spelled out in, in big letters there. And I, wa- I wonder, you know, what people think about when they see these words at the mall or on a coffee cup. You know, do they think about Santa? Do they think about the presents they're going to receive? Or, or maybe they don't think anything at all. Perhaps these words are, are nothing more than decoration. Santa, presents, and holiday decorations are nice, but Scripture is calling us to something much, much deeper. And we should not trivialize these words. We should not rob them of their meaning. Peace, hope, and joy are God's words. And they mean something very specific. And they're tied to the creator of the universe. And they're tied to what he is doing. And they're about God acting in the world. The first lines of the famous hymn, Joy to the World, a hymn that we should probably sing all year. If, I, I hope you paid attention to the words in that hymn. They're so beautiful and, and so meaningful. But, but the first lines are, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And so joy is directly tied to the coming of God. And we rejoice because we know that God has acted and he will act again. That God has come and he will come again. And this produces joy in our life no matter the circumstances. God's people rejoice even though they are in in exile and they are away from their homeland. Paul rejoices in prison. The early Christians rejoice in the midst of persecution. They didn't do this because they were delusional or crazy or out of their mind. They fully comprehended the situation they were in. But they also understood that they serve a God who is not content to sit on the sidelines. And that he is a God who acts. And knowing the promises of God gave them hope, and it filled them with joy. And they were able to rejoice and sing because they knew 
that God was on the move. And I don't know where you're at this morning. Uh, You may feel as if it is always winter but never Christmas. You may be in the midst of darkness wondering if you're ever going to find the light. You may feel like you have waited a long time for something to happen, and you just don't know how much longer you can wait. You may be tired, weary, and worn out. And if that's the way you feel, then you're not alone. Some of the people in Isaiah's day felt the exact same way. That's why right in the middle of this passage of hope, you find this statement. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, and he will come and save you. If your hands are weak or your knees are feeble, then you need to understand the God you serve. If you have an anxious heart, then you need to be strong and fear not. God is coming. And when he does, he will heal. He will redeem. And he will save. He will extinguish evil and destroy death. He will mend the broken and give water to the dry land. And whatever is wrong will be made right. This is the God whom we serve. It may take some time, and we may have to learn to be patient. But we can rest assured that God will keep his word. That he will return And all of the longings that we have deep within us will be fulfilled. So what do we do until then? We wait, but that's not all. God has called us to anticipate his return by rejoicing. And so we should be a people filled with joy because we know what lies ahead. In the midst of darkness, we sing. And we need to understand that that we're not simply bystanders. That God has invited us to join him in his work. And so we are to work towards the healing of what is broken. We are to seek to redeem what is lost. And God's mission that is described here and in other places is our mission as well. And we do all of this with a joyful heart, knowing that our work will be completed when God returns. And that will be a wonderful and magnificent day when we shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. And until then, may our knees be strengthened and our hearts be calmed by knowing that God is on the way. Let's pray. Father, we come before you thankful for the hope of passages like this in Isaiah and other places in Scripture. We thank you for the joy that it brings us to know 
that one day you will right all wrongs and that one day you will come and you will redeem and you will save us. We know that salvation only comes through you. And we thank you for your plan. We thank you for your son who took on flesh and lived on this earth. And who went to the cross for us. May we be an example to the world around us. May we be filled with joy and hope. And may we be people of peace who bring peace to situations around us. And may we do this not simply because it's a good thing, but may we do this to point people to you so that we can tell them the story of your son so that they might also be filled with joy and hope and peace like we are. We pray this in his name. Amen.